This is Luba Gretchen Shirley. She's a Democrat running for Congress on Long Island in New York's second congressional district. I have never run for office before. I'm the mom of two small children. My son is two, my daughter is four. My mom is a public school teacher. I'm the granddaughter of immigrants, and I'm the wife of an immigrant. We're listening in to an indivisible meeting in Sayville back in August. She's introducing herself to voters and giving the origin story about how she decided to run for office. She's running an uphill battle against Republican titan Pete King. About a year and a half ago, Peter King came out in support of the Muslim man. And I called his office, it was a Friday afternoon, and I said, I'd like to come in and I'd like to speak with you. And they said, come in at 3.30 and we'll try to talk to you. By the time I got there, they locked the doors and they sent the staff home. And I had 400 people protest that day. And on Monday morning, I called and I sat down with Peter King. He agreed to meet with me. And I said, would you consider holding a town hall? You have hundreds of thousands of constituents. They want to talk to you. It's not just me. And do you know what he said? Does anybody know? It's infamous at this point. He said, a town hall will diminish democracy. Exactly. So in less than a year, Luba Gretchen Shirley went from frustrated constituent to candidate. I'm Mark Chisano. I write for Newsday's opinion section, and I've been following the candidates in New York's first and second congressional districts for the last few months including Gretchen Shirley. She's pretty in tune with the national mood for Democrats. She's young, 37, about half the age of King. She's a working mother, talks about her student loans and medical bills, Medicare for all, basically comes across as a regular person. She thinks her opponent has lost touch with the district, that he's too much of a Washington insider. Easy victory? Not exactly. Her opponent, Pete King, is a Long Island fixture. He's a constant presence on cable channels and has credibly considered runs for governor and even the presidency. He became friends with Bill Clinton through helping with the Irish peace process in the 90s and voting against Clinton's impeachment. Mayor Mike Bloomberg raised money for him because he took care of first responders after 9-11. So King has a reputation of playing well with the other side, and he has decent relations with Democratic figures in his territory. Here's Suffolk County Democratic leader Rich Schaefer talking about King's help after Superstorm Sandy. So he did a lot during Sandy uh, because that was what we relied on was the federal money coming down through New York State. So we all lobbied him. Uh, he went out, made a big deal to, to call out the senators and congresspeople from the South who right. were questioning why were we getting this money. He showed up day two. Uh, in fact, it was him and Schumer showed up together. So we're down in Lindenhurst, the kind of ground zero for all things Sandy and the destruction. Uh, King was engaging. He was, um, he was like a regular, you know, he wasn't a standoffish guy. He wasn't, you know, he didn't have a big entourage around him. King's also a character. He wrote some semi-autobiographical novels about a Long Island Irish-American congressman named Sean Cross, books that have, you know, terror attacks and high-wire diplomacy. He comes off like an average Joe. He takes pictures with the Mets and posts a video of his boxing workouts, which sound like this. Good. Right hand up. Count. Get out of the way. Come on. Get out of the way. There you go. Now right in front of me. Once you. You don't do that. Once you. 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 Once
So he's in happy warrior mode going into this battle of the sexes. It's almost a cartoonish embodiment of different strands of national politics right now. And it's taking place across two swing counties about 30 miles east of New York City. All of that should be more than enough excitement for one political season. But there's more. There's a whole nother race on Long Island that is a sort of test case for the other big issue percolating this midterm season, the straight referendum on President Donald Trump. That's happening in Suffolk County, in New York's first congressional district, where you've got military veteran Lee Zeldin, a Republican. Zeldin was only elected in 2014 and has gained in prominence since then. He has lots of right-leaning constituents, so it's not surprising that he is vocally and happily latched on to Trump. Not with everything. Zeldin voted against the controversial 2017 tax bill, which is particularly controversial in high-tax New York, given the gutting of state and local deductions. King voted against it, too. But generally, Zeldin is very allied with Trump, including playing defense for Trump concerning the investigation into possible Russian collusion. He's rallied with former Trump aides like Sean Spicer and Steve Bannon. He even got the president's Twitter endorsement. Here's how his opponent, Perry Gershon, puts it. The president is the great divider, pushing. He's representing the Republicans and blaming everything bad on Democrats. That's not what a president's supposed to do. And Lee Zeldin is, is his biggest supporter. That was Gershon speaking at a community meeting in August. Gershon is a sort of mild-mannered guy who has a good amount of money and homes in both Manhattan and East Hampton. That has led Zeldin's people to give Gershon a nickname, Park Avenue Perry. Trump would like it. So Zeldin coasts to re-election, right? Trump guy in a Trump district. Suffolk County was where Trump got his biggest plurality in New York State. Not so fast. Even though Gershon doesn't quite have the story and grassroots energy and relatively moderate district that Luba Gretchen Shirley does, polls and political hands on Long Island see the Zeldin-Gershon race tightening. Democrats, and maybe even some key independent voters, are so fired up about the election that the usual math may not hold up. In other words, as Democrats look to flip the House by netting 23 seats in November, pay close attention to what's happening in two neighboring districts on Long Island. In two different ways, a blue wave is threatening. The blue wave has really, uh, in most areas of the state, has really subsided. You take a look at we. Outside of the very upscale suburbs, like Westchester or, or uh, Pittsford or Amherst. This is Ed Cox, Republican Party chair for New York State. You may not be surprised to hear that he doesn't think there's a blue wave coming. Cox has seen plenty of waves in his time in politics. He's Richard Nixon's son-in-law and was there to welcome Nixon's plane for a campaign stop on, you guessed it, Long Island. But there's one thing that even he and some local Democrats might agree on. I've always seen our congressional seats in New York State as being seats that were, could go one way or the other. Um, and I think it's a bellwether uh, as to whether or not Republicans will hold on to Congress. I think it's a bellwether uh, as to whether or not Republicans will hold on to Congress. That's the question this podcast will try to answer. Will this midterm election be a true wave election, sweeping in Democrats? Will the wave of women running for office change our politics? 
Will women voters, and particularly suburban women voters, make the difference in close races? Will voters deliver a rebuke to President Donald Trump? Or is the Trump phenomenon and coalition still strong? Are the progressive establishment divisions among Democrats too deep to allow for successes that don't involve a guy named Barack Hussein Obama? Will there be one-party rule in Congress for at least another two years? We think you'll find an early answer on Long Island, a bellwether for the rest of the country. Long Island is ground zero for the immigration debate, as Trump likes to phrase it anyway. He and his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, have visited to rail on MS-13 gang members in the region. In his State of the Union address, he invited the families of two students slain by gang members. And on America's biggest stage, he called the Brentwood adolescents, Precious girls. These two precious girls were brutally murdered while walking together in their hometown. Six members of the savage MS-13 gang have been charged with Kayla and Nisa's murders. There's real violence from the gang here, most of it perpetrated against immigrant communities and resulting in terrifying stories of children who disappear and bodies mutilated by machetes and buried in the woods. But Long Island's immigrant story is more than that, too, home to one of the country's biggest populations of Central American immigrants, including a large population of unaccompanied minors. That's one reason why Long Island is a changing place. It's no longer a strictly monochrome, red-lined white suburb, an escape from New York City. All of these cultural changes are making this a fascinating backdrop for primetime congressional races. In one race, Pete King kind of represents the old Long Island, a middle-class white ethnic voter with city roots moving out to the suburbs. Gretchen Shirley, meanwhile, is almost 40 years younger than King, he's 74, and she's hoping that Long Islanders are fed up with longtime Republican leadership. He's got experience and the trust of many constituents. She has youthful energy and a progressive wave, and has raised more money than the last five of King's challengers combined. Meanwhile, in the other race, where Lee Zeldin has closely allied himself with Trump, we'll see if Suffolk County has really morphed into Trump country for the long haul, if people out on the edge of the island are still so fed up with the status quo that they'll stick with Trump. Control of the House of Representatives hangs in the balance of these races and others like it. Their clash epitomizes the two paths the island and the country might take in November. We're going to be following the two of them from now until Election Day. We'll check in on the Trump voters and the national issues energizing people to stick with Zeldin or flip over to Gershon. And we'll hear more about how, like many Democratic challengers, Gretchen Shirley is rallying around progressive causes like Medicare for All. Do we value American lives or do we value corporate profits for insurance companies and their executives? That's a simple choice. Healthcare is a basic human right and we need to fight for human rights. And more along those lines. We'll see her alternate between canvassing... I'm running for Congress against Sorry. And fretting over her toddler's first day of school and other complications of the campaigning mother. She gained national headlines for petitioning the Federal Election Commission to let her use campaign funds for childcare. And we'll hear more about King's long, impressive, complicated, and sometimes controversial career. With a serious challenger this time around, he's airing views that might have gone unnoticed before. Here's his comment about the Black Lives Matter movement at an NAACP forum in September. The main thing I will do is never have one race against another, and I'll speak honestly. I do not support the Black Lives Matter movement. And the reason I don't is because it originated in a lie. 
They're originally out of Ferguson and same with the NFL players who are kneeling. They are kneeling because they say they're discriminated against police and that is totally untrue. The fact is, as I said before, statistics will show that more whites than blacks are killed by police, more well, unarmed whites than blacks are killed by police, and it gives you the percentage of those arrested. It's going to be, the fact is that there's much on one side or the other, and I say in most of those cases, police are innocent. Just because a person is unarmed doesn't mean he's innocent. Then there's his post-9-11 congressional hearings on homegrown terrorism. We'll talk to a Muslim supporter of his, who invited King to his son's wedding, who never heard from the congressman again after 9-11. We'll take a look at the deeply complicated world of local Long Island politics, and I mean deeply complicated, like Democratic county chairs and minor parties trading judgeships and endorsements. We'll see how Gretchen Shirley has been a bit of a bull in the China shop for that establishment, and try to get a sense of who will get the last laugh, the insurgent or the machine. When it's all over, if Long Island is the site of another Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez moment, she was the 28-year-old who took down the fourth-ranked Democrat in the House, Joe Crowley, you'll know why it happened. And if the blue wave doesn't exactly materialize as advertised, or Trump emerges unscathed enough, well, you'll have a better idea of how Zeldin or King survive. It's not easy to take out royalty. 